It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I believe their team is destiny, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John me to car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Mita. Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws. Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagle Scouting Department. I know I can do better. Yo, 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 the Brotherly Love Podcast, back and in full effect. Glad to have you with us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Joe O'Donnell here, John Mita there, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about revolving around the city of brotherly love, specifically the Sixers' top man, basketball-wise, and Brian Colangelo. Uh, So again, glad to have you along for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at Podcast. Johnny Mita, how are you, brother? It just the, the stories. Just just when we think we're going to get into something nationally, we just get hit with with a nuke as far as the Philly sports story goes. And this is this is really crazy. That's right. The president of basketball operations for your one, two, three, four, five, six, seventy sixers. I did that wrong. His name is Brian Colangelo. John Mita, you may have heard of him, and uh, he has been linked uh, two days ago. Story by The Ringer, theringer.com, investigative uh, investigative work by them, saying that Brian Colangelo was linked to several Twitter burner accounts. Burner accounts meaning they can't really be traced back. They're kind of anonymous. But the tweets that were coming from these accounts were very much pro-Colangelo and at times a little curious about some of the information given about the Sixers, whether it was medical information about players' injuries or this guy, you know, and his ego. I mean, there was a lot, if you read some of the tweets, very interesting to say the least, but the ringer said they received an anonymous tip that Brian Colangelo uh, was behind these accounts. Since then, the story has blown up. Colangelo has emphatically denied, outside of saying, yes, the one account was his. He never tweets from it. He just reads industry news, basically, on it. And then you have the flip side, obviously, national media kind of crushing Colangelo right now because that's the society we're in. It's not innocent till proven guilty anymore. It's the story comes out, and boom, we just attack from a media perspective. And then you have the Sixers obviously putting out a statement saying they take these allegations seriously, and they're investigating on their own. Your thoughts on all of this, John Mita? What's the vibe like in Philly? And, man, how do you wrap your head around this one? First of all, trying to wrap your head around this one is almost impossible. Because, you know, what went down here? Let me start by saying this. Very not uncommon for general managers, for owners. Look look at the President of the United States, okay? He He has a Twitter account. But some of the information that was divulged and shared, it just leads to somebody that has inside information in the organization. Some of the information was also leaked was about people's medical conditions, players' medical conditions. There was information leaked about dis- disagreements with the coaching staff, uh, players not playing up to their potential. So 
if it turns out that these accounts are linked to Brian Colangelo or anybody in his close inner circle, the Sixers need to do the right thing here and just wipe the carpet clean because there is no way, no way that an incoming free agent, even players from your own organization, are going to be happy with this outcome. So unless you find someone that's totally responsible was he set up? I mean, he, he kind of came out last night said that somebody's trying out trying to come and get me. He's a Frank Langell has also made phone calls to some of his star players saying, listen, this was not me. This was somebody else. But it, it just stinks, man. This just stinks really bad. And all signs point to his direction. And if this guy is that, if this guy is that paranoid, has so little thick skin, like, People were crushing Colangelo over the trade, the trade up, you know, in regards to acquiring the rights to Markel Fultz as opposed to Jason Tatum. Like it's just, and this is coming from him, this is, or his father. And, and keep in mind this, okay? They got rid of Sam Henke. The NBA in general, the NBA, Adam Silver, kind of said, "Listen, and with the tanking business, we have to bring in, we have to bring in." somebody that's going to get control of this organization because agents are not happy with what the Sixers are doing and everything else. And they essentially appointed or tried to talk to the, to the owners of the Sixers, and they came to the decision that, you know, Jerry Colangelo, the elder statesman who's been in the NBA for years and has been a big part of running USA basketball, if it turns out that he had a hand in it, if it's done, I mean, this looks incredibly bad for the NBA. This was supposed to be the largest offseason, or the biggest offseason, not only in and Brian Colangelo's, but maybe in the organization's history. You know, they're trying to land the best free agent, the best player in the world, LeBron James, and he sees all this turmoil and all this unrest within the ranks of the organization. You know, could that influence his decision? So for this to come out right now, it is a total bombshell. But if you read the report on the ringer, I mean, it pretty much lays it out there kind of like kind of like a law memo where they just state evidence after evidence. And it's just it's mind blowing. But I am shocked right now. I'm in total shock and disbelief that the Sixers haven't you know, acted on it. If it turns out that Brian Colangelo didn't have that much a part of this, which is very hard for me to believe. The public opinion, the fan base, they're going to think that he, that he was sleazy or that he had, I mean, how could he not know? The, the, the problem is the information is so accurate and direct of what he divulged. The only type of people who would have that are front office personnel. So, Does he survive? Does he survive whether he's guilty, not guilty, partially guilty, it's no. a family member, it's a colleague? Right. His dad, yeah. his son, his wife, whoever. Yeah. Does he survive? Because you bring up a good point, and I'm with you here. When there's a lot of smoke, there tends to be fire. I'm a big believer in that. I know we have to go through the process to make sure to kind of see you know, what culpability may lie at his feet. However, as you pointed out, the fan base, the players, the organization, like sometimes people get stained whether it was their fault or not, and that tends to stay with you. Five years from now, when Brian Colangelo's name came, uh, comes up in basketball circles and national media, you know it's going to circle back to this, guilty or not. Whether he comes out scot-free clean, wasn't me, set up, it was hackers, it was, you know, it was Sam Hinkie, the conspiracy 
theorists out there are saying Sam Hinkie had something to do with it. Whatever it comes out to be, his name will always be associated with this now. And I just don't know how, as you kind of said, in such a big offseason, the organization can just either you know, sweep this away or I just don't know how he continues at his current role with the team like this. Well, you, you also have to keep in mind, okay, we're three weeks away essentially from the NBA draft. Now, obviously the Sixers would never just – you would just take Colangelo, you would just dip him out of there. You would probably keep all the scouts and everything else, you know, in place because they've already pretty much done the work up to this point. You know, they've worked out guys individually. But, you know, you also have to get another general manager in here and somebody that can clean up the mess and also – have the ability to go out and recruit free agents and have the ability to also mend the fences, the relationships between the current you know, players on the roster. And one other thing we didn't know, yesterday Brett Brown gets a three-year extension too. So the good thing is he's going to be in place for a couple more years. It seems like the players trust him as well. And, you know, that that's also a good thing because, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but the Sixers, they they gotta they gotta take some serious action here, and it's gotta be swift. You can't wait on this. You know they'll be able to find this out. It wise, they'll be able to find this out very quickly. Like this has got to be done right away. I want to draw like one. This. I want to draw one quick parallel. Our entire nation, if you believe. You know, the election process was, in fact, some way rigged, hacked, or otherwise. A lot of the information we got afterwards was that Russia may have colluded in social media tampering, essentially, right? Putting ads and and tweets and stuff in front of the American public almost subliminally. And so if, if hacking is at that level, and I think we can both agree, and all of our listeners to the Brotherly Love podcast probably do agree, that hacking is a reality, that the computer whizzes of the world can really do anything they want to mess with your mind, to put messages in front of you. And if it happened at the top governmental level of the biggest nation in the world, really, in a lot of respects, how? of course it could happen at a much smaller level. So I just... Part of me thought back to the election fiasco and the turmoil after the fact. And again, whether you believe it or not that Russia was involved, whatever, that that's not my point. My point is if it can happen at that level, allegedly, or at least have the possibility of happening at that level, anything can be done at a smaller level as far as uh, interference or, again, somebody setting this guy up. But regardless, my point still is I think there's just too much blood it's like a Dexter crime scene right now. I don't know how you just move on from this if you're Brian Colangelo. Yeah, it's just it's just gonna be impossible because right now it's all about trust yep. and trust the process, baby. And uh, the trust is absolutely broken. And you you have a lot of talent on this team, and you need to create a you know a happy happy work environment. You know, I read something today about the Eagles. Again, they were talking about how the Patriots, like the Eagles said that, like, the key to their success is, is the culture is they made it a happy and great work environment, and it wasn't, you know, we're going to beat you down and everything else. So I, I think that's extremely important. And it's just – and listen, 
Colangelo was never a guy that liked to divulge information. Like, I'm not saying they need to share everything that's going on with the team, but as fans, as people that spend their hard work, their hard earned money on tickets, on apparel, and everything else just to follow their team, it's about time. Like, you know, there's some there's some transparency here where we, we learn truth and not getting fleeced by, you know, between the Martel Fultz injury and the Ben. Simmons injury. One thing, you know, I mean, it's just been one thing after another. So it's time for you know the organization to step the hell up here and do the right thing. I'll tell you what, whoever, if Colangelo is replaced, whoever comes in is walking into a damn good spot and probably salivating at the opportunity to work with the assets and the talent that the Sixers oh. currently have. Uh, John Mita, the NBA Finals start tonight. Quickly, your take. Well, I just, I mean, right now, the Golden State Warriors are 12 and a half point favorites. You know, that just tells you how dominant they think the Warriors. I mean, I think they wrapped this up in six. I know LeBron has played the role of Superman, but this Golden State team is just so good. They can turn you around so quick, and it's it's just one of those things where, like, they are just so incredibly good. And I, I just think this is going to be over pretty quickly. So. All right, so the Warriors get it done in the estimation of one John Mita. Uh, let's kind of transition then into a, a hot topic in recent weeks, months, and seems like it's been going on for a couple of years now, the whole MJ-LeBron debate, the GOAT debate, greatest of all time in the NBA. Obviously, Michael's career come and gone, his six rings speak for uh, itself. But LeBron still building that legacy. He has taken much more scrutiny than MJ probably ever did. He will continue to take scrutiny. That's just today's world with social media and the amount of focus on these athletes. Could you imagine if LeBron left to go play a different sport for for 18 months or whatever? Uh, it would be chaos. So let's get into the debate quickly, something you wanted to talk about. I'll throw you some numbers real quick, and then I want your take. LeBron, four-time MVP, six-time all-defensive team, averaging 27, seven boards, nine assists in his career. MJ, 30 points, averaged, uh, averaged six boards, five assists in his career. So you got LeBron, 27, 7, and 9. MJ, about 36 and 5. Jordan, a five-time MVP, 10-time scoring champ, something LeBron's only done once, nine-time defensive player of the year for Michael Jordan. LeBron, obviously, now eight straight finals, is it? I mean, that itself uh, in itself is just ludicrous. Think about that for a moment, folks. Different team, different teammates, injuries, all the stuff that takes to go into a winning season. How hard it is to get to June in any sport, you know, essentially the championship level in any sport. And LeBron now has done it eight straight years with different cast of characters and all the adversity that comes with it, all the focus and scrutiny on him. And he keeps going back to the finals. Uh, Your take on the MJ-LeBron debate, where do you come out on this? Listen, LeBron is creeping into discussion, but like people need to understand something about Michael Jordan. Okay, this man three-peated. Okay, left the game, came back, then had the the, the most wins in an NBA season, and then he came back, and then he three-peated again. And if he didn't take hiatus, if he didn't, you know, go off into baseball and take the, that hiatus, who knows how many rings? He would have won. But the bottom line is he never lost in the NBA Finals. Undefeated. Undefeated. And 
the greatest stat on that is, listen, he never went to a game seven. And people are like, oh, Michael, you know, he had Scottie Pippen. He had, look at some of the role players that Michael Jordan played with. Guys like Bill Weddington, Luke Longley, okay? Bill uh, Tony Hartwright. Kukoc, the server, the waiter? Ah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Tony Kukoc. Like, if all these people think, like, that he's he did have, He did have, obviously, Pippen. He did have Horace Grant. He did have Dennis Rodman. He did have a Steve Kerr. I mean, yeah, but what did, what did those guys? What did those guys do once they left? Like, at, Grant left okay, to go sign with but, the Magic. But look at what LeBron did when he had talent. They didn't lose yeah. in the finals. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. The Miami Heat lost to the Who, Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, was that the first year down there? Right. Yep, and that was the Miami Heat were a better team. They were absolutely loaded. They never should have lost. What did they? What did they win? What? How, how many they went after that? They, they, they came up big. Two or three. I, I just, two or three, but I'm just, it, in my opinion, like, listen, LeBron's a good defensive player. Michael Jordan was a unbelievable, maybe one of the best defensive players of all time. And he just made, he made other people so much better. Like, how did Judd Bushler survive in the Judd Bushler? Let's say that again, everyone. Judd Bushler. Never like, even heard of him. that guy? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Now, I know LeBron's never had, like, great supporting cast, but you look at some of these other NBA teams that got it done for a while. Look at the great Lakers teams with Shaq and Kobe. Look at some of their role players. They had Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, Big Shot Bob, Robert Horry. They had a lot of – Ron Harper. They had a lot of talent did you, around do, them. Do look you at f- the Spurs team. Do you so, factor in at all – do you factor in at all the rule changes, the competition faced by each player – in this debate, meaning well, the great Pistons teams that Jordan had to yeah. go through, where the LeBron Celtics. is going through, you know, it's, Toronto and and a Celtics team missing its best players. I mean, do you factor that in at all? Um, and, and the rule absolutely. changes, obviously, with the hand checks and thinking about how yeah. Jordan could have played in today's game, because it's, it's impossible to compare them really because not playing in the same era. Essentially, the game has changed so much. The three ball and the emphasis on that today way different. I just LeBron's numbers are going to be better when his career's over because he's going to play for another decade probably at this rate. He never misses time. He can play every minute. He can play different positions. He dominates the ball when he needs to. Early in his career, he got crushed for passing too much. I mean, he can beat you so many different ways. He's more versatile than Jordan. Would you agree with that? I would say he's definitely more versatile. And obviously he has the size. If they played one-on-one, LeBron would eat him up because he's bigger, he's stronger, he's quicker. Uh, He's not quicker. Bigger, stronger, I'll give you that. I don't know if he's quicker. You don't think he's but, quicker to the rack? No. no. Michael Jordan's first step? Are you kidding me? He's more There's powerful. No he's more powerful for sure. No, he's, he's more powerful. But this is where I think that a big gets settled. Okay? Your life is on the line. Okay? And you got one. You're going to choose one player to make that game winner. Who are you choosing? Jordan or LeBron? Give me Mike all day long. All day long. Well, I hear that, and it's tough to argue. However, LeBron lately has been way more clutch than he ever was earlier in his career. Remember, passing no up shots, he, his game went, you know, and they would role. always put yeah. it up, game-winning shots, hitting his career. And he's now surpassed Michael as far as actual game winners, you know, in right. playoff situations. So the numbers there favor LeBron lately. But again, his career, he didn't take time off. He's going to play more years. His numbers are going to be... You well, know, that's the thing. Monsters. He's playing a lot more years. Yes. You know, than Michael. So, 
And, you know, he's, and listen, I'm not I, – I can't take anything away from well, I'll, t- I'll, give, I'll give you one thing that Jordan's definitely better at that's blowing his money. Yeah, but he's still, he's still rich as hell. I mean, you can say he blows his money. But and, and here's the other thing. When you were talking about – What was about his vice? He, he loved the casinos, right? Oh, casinos, smoking sort. Man, he would get drunk all night and then show up and play and drop 50. He was just <laughs> a different guy. I swear to God, like – and I can't wait to see that Netflix documentary that they're going to put out on him because I'm sure it's going to be unbelievable. But, you know, one of these things is that, like, he, he just and, – and he held his teammates accountable. He stayed with one franchise. But if you look at LeBron, look at the town in the East. You know, I had this opinion. I'm like, who has been that other team in the East that was so dominant? Like, they had the 2010 Chicago Bulls won 62 games and – Derek Rose and some other good players like Jimmy Butler, but they, but they just, I mean, Jordan was going up against the Celtics, the Pitts. I mean, there were there were good teams everywhere. That was an era, right? Like, and this is like you look at the Eastern Conference today, Joe. Like now, you can get in, you can make that eight seed, okay? Four or five games under five hundred, you can be in the eight yeah. seed. Yeah. In Jordan's era, that never would have happened. Yeah. You might be at least three to four games over 500 just to crack the playoffs. So I think when it comes down to it, it, it I just I don't know. I mean, for me, it's going to be Mike. I'm not taking anything away from to make eight straight finals. Listen, he is. You know, if there's one, he's one A. But Kobe, if if just, LeBron, let me. I want to give you one scenario, and we'll move on. If LeBron wins this year, switches organizations, and wins next year. Does this debate change in the eyes of John Mita at all? <laughs> like if he comes to Philly, like if he comes to Philly up, and wins the championship, then that'd be, be winning. Right that'd be winning in three different places, ten straight finals, what five rings? I mean, be pretty yeah. tough to top. Pretty tough to top. Well, we'll have that, that conversation with that if that situation ever plays out. Uh, I want a lot of listeners to know out there, okay? I want him in Philadelphia. Nobody wants him more than I do. <laughs> because I just think, you know, so let's not get it twisted like I'm like a LeBron hater or anything like that. No, I want the guy, and I think he's tremendous. I just, when I've seen both play live and in color, Michael Jordan was just very, very special. And, and you know, listeners that didn't have the opportunity, like they just, it's just, I'm sorry. He was just a unique, a unique player. But so is LeBron. I mean, because how tall he is, his strength, his physicality, his skill set. I mean, what he's done in this NBA final run to take that crap-ass Cavs team to the finals is truly remarkable. But let's also keep in mind they did beat the Celtics, and the Celtics didn't have Kyrie Irving or Gordon Hayward. So it might have been a little different if those two guys were on the floor. Yeah, and let's not forget that this Cavs team, because LeBron's been getting killed all year about the teammates and all. This Cavs team was basically blown up midseason and reassembled after that right. massive trade. And he still got a new cast of characters to the finals. Let's not forget about that. That was pretty impressive. Uh, no, you know, right. and, I, and I can't stand the fact that the media now all over, oh, his teammates stink. At the time of the trade, everybody's like, oh, what a great trade. They're way better. They got younger. They got more athletic. They got more shooters now. Great move by the Cavs. Oh, LeBron or whoever was helping behind the scenes pull the trigger on this. Great job. Now it's like his teammates are a bunch of garbage. Yet when the yeah. when the deal was made, everybody's like, oh, way better Cavs team now. Well, Absolutely. He's, still Absolutely. Get, he's still got it done. All right. Stanley Cup final, even at a game apiece after the Caps – 
take game two in Las Vegas. They hang on. Soon to be friend of the Brotherly Love podcast, we hope Alex Tuck robbed in the final 90 seconds on a game-tying goal. Ovechkin scores on the power play. Holtby with 37 saves. Caps win it. Stanley Cup final has been great so far. Talk about the pace the two teams are playing with. John Mita, we've seen it lately. That's the way the NHL has shifted. You defend well. You attack with numbers. Your defensemen join the rush. Got to take care of your power play opportunities. Obviously, you need time in goaltending, timely goaltending. I mean, the recipe hasn't changed. We're seeing it again, the Caps and the Golden Knights. Series now 1-1. It shifts to D.C. I still think Las Vegas um, is the better team, although Washington, way better performance in Game 2. I really thought that after Game 1, which Vegas won when they weren't very good defensively, the Caps would struggle Game 2 because I thought Las Vegas would tighten things up. But give the Caps credit, they got it done on the road. They now have home ice advantage. And Ovechkin was way better in Game 2. And not just because he scored. I just thought Game 1 he looked a little timid. Uh, He didn't have his legs maybe. I don't know if it was an Eastern Conference Championship hangover. But Ovechkin and the Caps get it done in Game 2. And now this series, um, you know, 1-1 going to D.C. Yeah, Ovechkin played extremely well. Getting physical with people. He's rocking people. He's flying down the ice, and it's just, you know, you just got to see on display why he's one of the greatest players in the world. And, again, you have to give the Capitals, Brandon Holtby, you have to give him credit. Like we discussed about before, early on, like, you know, he didn't even start the playoff series, and now he's just coming up crucial at the most. And you can see why he's been a Vezina winner, because the save that he made last night, that might be able to turn the entire series. I mean, that paddle says the 6A was just absolutely incredible. Um, and, and these playoffs, like even for the casual hockey fan, for no hockey fan at all, if you see this brand of hockey, it gives you a great appreciation how great athletes these guys are, the speed of the game, how it ramps up in the playoffs, and it's just they're on the edge of your seat the entire, the entire time. So it's been fantastic, and I'm, I'm looking for, you know, for this great series to continue, and it should be interesting. Big, lo- big loss for the Caps in Game 2, Johnny Mita. Evgeny Kuznetsov injured, didn't finish the game. We'll see what his status is. Uh, Tom Wilson's obviously had a big impact, both positive and negative at times for the Caps with his physical play. Um, we'll see if the Caps, again, the, what I liked about the Caps, we talked about this last week, was in Game 6 and Game 7 against the Lightning, they set the tempo with a physical brand of hockey, in-your-face brand of hockey. They need to keep playing that way to give themselves a shot. I did see the other day on Twitter, and I didn't realize this, John Carlson of the Caps is a free agent to be this summer. He's going to get paid. Uh, Yeah, he'd look pretty good in orange and black, just saying. All right, uh, time for our segment that we haven't busted out in quite some time. It's called Dear God. There is no music for it. There's no sound effects. There's no voiceover guy. It's just Dear God and basically a rant. John Mita, why don't you start? Uh, Dear God, holy God, or even my God, what in the world is Ben Simmons doing dating Kendall Jenner? Sounds like the poison fruit of a tree. My gosh. You have to work on your craft. You have to work on your game and not be tied up in making appearances. Maybe LeBron can put in a special phone call to his guy, Ben, and get things straightened out. Because I want zero parts, I repeat, zero parts of the Kardashian clan. As one guy put it on Facebook, they suck the life force out of you. <laughs> Players tend to, 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 to decline. So I just, you know, honest to God, if I was an NBA player and was this young, 
you know, I would just date some regular old person, not somebody that's in the limelight because it's just the distraction. But, listen, man, if she makes you happy, okay, fine. But let's just hope you put yourself in the gym. You take 3,000 jump shots a day. I don't care if she rebounds for you. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> and, um, you know, but there's this on a serious note, like, well, let's just, it, it, it's time to take that next step in the offseason. And then you got Markel Folks doing cartwheels. Dear God, okay, no more cartwheels for Markel Folks. Start working on the jump shot, uh. all right? And then, dear God, okay, don't let Ben Simmons play another pickup game in South Philly. Jo- Jojo, God. you mean. Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. That was my Joe dear Joe. God. You just stole my dear God. I was going to segue right. perfectly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right, you so just I'll, I'll, no. I'll, I'll shift it a bit. Dear God, no more drama with the Philadelphia 76ers going into, <laughs> as we touched on earlier, such a big offseason. I trust the process, but I don't like – what the youngsters are doing. You just hit on it with Ben Simmons. He's going to be in the limelight now if he's dating a Kardashian, a Jenner, whatever the hell she is. And then you've got Joel Embiid, who thought it would be fun on Memorial Day weekend to just go play in a bunch of pickup games in South Philly, dunk on people, and walk to the next court, or at least that's how it was portrayed on social media. Dear God, JoJo, please think about your future. First of all, think about how this looks to a team like the Boston Celtics that just dispatched you. They just thought all you did was talk trash, that your game wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And now what are they doing? While they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, they're seeing on social media, you're in South Philly on 9th and Lombard dunking on some white guy that looks like me. Like, what does that say? I mean, what does that say about where the organization's at, where this guy's at? I get it. It's fun. Philly fans love it. Oh, my gosh, JoJo jumped into our pickup game. Uh, Yeah, great. But look at it from a bigger picture. Step back for a second. You're a professional athlete making millions of dollars with a contract that could, you know, become null and void very easily if you're a complete idiot. So, dear God, JoJo, Simmons, Fultz, just keep it in the straight and narrow. Stay out of social media. You win a championship, then you can go spout off, I guess. I mean, the, exactly. the, Eagles, the Eagles are doing it. I didn't like it, but they're doing it still. So you That's win, you no, win no, and we nobody, can't say anything. Nobody hopped on a motorcycle. Nobody hopped on a four-wheeler. Okay, save that for your, for your retirement. Stay away from the fireworks like Jason Pierre-Paul. <laughs> Stay away from the fence like, was it J.R. Reed? Try to jump the fence, <laughs> chase him oh, down yeah, a dog. Right. Yeah, trying out for an episode of cops. <laughs> stay away Absolutely. from uh, stay away from the washing your car in air quotes. Jeff Kent breaking his wrist, <laughs> washing his van or whatever he did that year. Um, exactly. All right, brother. We'll get on out of here. Appreciate everybody tuning in to the Brotherly Love podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. We'll try and get another one cranked out next week. And uh, Johnny made it always uh, a good time, brother. Thanks. Hey, thank you, Joe. You are you are just a great product of what a great commentator is. So thanks, Joe. Great to be a part with you every week. Holla. All right. Godspeed to everyone out there in Brotherly Love Podcast Land. Enjoy the weekend. Till next time, for John Mita, Joe Donald. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.